What's up and welcome into the lead block. Happy Tuesday, everybody. We're back after a long, nice Thanksgiving break. Nice for uh, a lot of people. About half the country. Yep. The other half is pissed off at some football team this week. Didn't even show up to work on Monday morning. Uh, my name is Tyler Walters. I am your host. I'm alongside my guy, Matthew Anderson. Matthew, how you doing? Doing great, man. How about you? We're, we're doing. We're here. We'll start right at the top, right here in the capital city of Columbia, with one of the uh, worst beatdowns that South Carolina has ever endured against a respectable team. Um, I would venture to say that this is maybe the worst loss in the five years that Spurrier has been gone. Uh, And the reason I say that is, and I would say, you know, yes, even worse than the Citadel and worse than App State. Uh, App State came in here. The Citadel was just laughably bad. This was an embarrassment on every aspect of the program. And when South Carolina lost to the Citadel, 90% of that stadium was still garnet and black. When South Carolina, when Clemson came to town this weekend (coughs) and played a noon game, away fans come to a noon game your arch rival, and have the east side of your stadium painted orange, and the west side, your quote-unquote so-called home side, speckled with orange. Almost like a neutral site game. Very much so. I mean, this game looks like it was played in Greenville, you know? Yeah, that's actually It was, if you're a South Carolina fan and, you know, you should be embarrassed about the way that your fan base didn't show up. And I get the product on the field sucks. But at one point, this isn't, you know, rivalry games. That's the beauty of rivalry games is that anything can happen. Um, we saw a 3-9 and nine South Carolina team four, what, four years ago compete with a Clemson team who was competing for a national championship and come pretty close to beating them. We saw South Carolina last year go on the road to Clemson and have their quarterback, Jake Bentley, throw for 500 yards and five TDs. And your your defensive secondary let you down on the road last year. That game was, what, 63-35, something like that? Yeah, and a lot of guys were hurt, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so. a, lot, a lot of entries in the defensive secondary, which caused Clemson's offense to gut you. Uh... This year, different story, you know, but he, he, this is a team that's been competitive with Clemson in, in their head-to-head matchups over the last four or five years, which is about all you can ask for. And you don't show up. I mean, I get this is a bad season, but you're not showing up to stare down, like, to at least support your school and the people that you hate against the people you hate the most in your life. I mean, I would say if you're a true South Carolina fan, the, the people you hate the most would be a Clemson fan, you know, um, and you you don't show you put up a terrible performance in the stands Saturday, not nearly as bad as the performance put up on the field though. Yeah, yeah, the, the performance on the field was piss poor to say best. Clemson had 14, 14 in the first quarter, second quarter they had ten. South Carolina at that point had their only three of the game. Then Clemson finished with fourteen in the third, uh, in the fourth combined to win with the final score of thirty-eight to three. 
For Clemson, you had Trevor Lawrence, who went 26 for 36 for 295 yards and three touchdowns. It seems like he's really starting to come along. You had nobody in a running game. Uh, as a matter of fact, Trevor Lawrence was the leading rusher for the Tigers with eight carries for 66 yards. And they had two of their receivers go for over 100. You had T. Higgins had three receptions for 101 yards and two touchdowns. That's a good day by him. That means besides one time, every time he touched the ball, it was a touchdown. And Justin Ross had the nine receptions for 111 yards and one touchdown. Both of those receivers are like those 6'3", six, 6'4", six, guys. So, But, I mean, Israel and JC aren't small corners in themselves, so they had a chance to compete with them. No, I like what you said there. Piss poor. There's a title. Uh, that that'll be that'll be the episode <laughs> title this week. We always try to find a title. There's your title. Um, yeah, you're right. Israel in, is six four. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you look when I'm watching T Higgins in the well, it was the first quarter. Yeah, uh, just get wide open yeah. uh, on a play that was. I believe that was the drive off of the interception. South Carolina first drive of the game. Defensive line makes a goal line stand. And I was like, okay, it's a rivalry game. That is all you need. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm right, right, here you go. Here's your motivation. You want a chance to beat Clemson? You want to give them all your worth? Here you go. March down the field and score on this drive. Ryan Holinsky threw a terrible, <laughs> terrible ball. <And> it, <laughs> I mean, just, just one of the, maybe the worst throw he's made all year. And you can't do that against Clemson. He threw it to Darion Kendrick. Kendrick went to South Point High School, by the way. Um, great tradition at South Point. And Clemson gets the ball back at South Carolina's 20 and, and then scores just a few plays later. Uh, I, actually, the, the Higgins touchdown might have been the second one. But either way, South Carolina defenders left him wide open behind I mean, he's standing. T. Higgins is standing up five yards behind him. Yeah. Like, hey. Here is a receiver who's going to have a legitimate shot at winning the Bolitnikoff. Someone who's been one of the best receivers in the country for the last, you know, few years. Uh, someone who's going to be playing on Sundays here very shortly. And you're, you're their number one target. The, the biggest, most worrisome guy <laughs> in all of their arsenal as far as their receivers go. And he's just standing behind you. You know, he could have pulled out a lawn chair and broke out a sandwich and had a picnic before South Carolina was going to catch up with him to stop that touchdown from happening. Is that the one where he ran the post route from the left side? Of the I, I think so. I, I know it was in the first quarter, and I'm pretty sure it was their second touchdown. Now that I get to thinking about it more. But you, you cannot, you cannot play Clemson at home, your rival, who you would think, you, you know, this team would get up to try to beat. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure they woke up Saturday and thought they were going to win and got a little motivated. But the lack of preparation in this game, it just, the as the season has worn on, Will Muschamp has just built up more of a case to collect his $20 million and get the hell out of here. I mean, in that play specifically, if you really think about it, it's like, it's not, mm, there's so many different ways I could take with that. It's like with Muschamp, it's like, you're a defensive-minded head coach. So if anything is going to be right in this game and you have this, and you have a week off, the scout team has been running this thing all week. It's like, we should know what's going to happen here. So for them to be able to do something not even that complex and still be able to score, it's like, what are y'all doing in practice? I, I mean, Dabo Sweeney wasn't running, you know, uh, Voodoo plays against you here. If no one was invisible, 
He didn't pull out any trickery. They ran a pretty simple offense all day. I had Trevor Lawrence say, you know, I'm standing in the pocket back here. Um, you're not really going to get to me. Yeah. And I'm going to pick you apart. Yeah. Because my preparation was better than yours. And I get Clemson as better. Right now, yeah, better athletes in a lot of spots. But the comp- just the lack of what looked to be preparation and execution. And, and, I mean, this coaching staff, when you throw up three points – and you have a game that's not competitive against your rival, You there is no one else to blame it on but the coaching staff. And I'm sure Muschamp would, you know, agree. Uh, but agreeing on his part is not fixing on his part. Um, and he let, you know, I, the coaching staff really let this team down as much as the team let itself down. And, and I like, the bigger point is, you know, when I, I just said that he's built up in November – South Carolina fans have somewhat eased. It felt like they're still very critical, but it seems like they e- they've eased off of the fire must champ, uh, probably because they know now that that's just not going to happen. Yeah, whenever uh, they started firing like assistants under instead of just firing. Well, head just coach. even in before that, you know, in the last month, I think they've eased off a little of the of they legitimate believing must champ is going to get fired just because they they're starting to realize. We don't have $20 million to pay a head coach to leave, to not coach here. <sighs> but you look at this November performance from South Carolina, and you get six points against A&M, you get 15 against App State, and you get three against Clemson. I actually found a tweet about this. Uh, somebody said, USC's 2019 uh, football season is over. They went 4-8 and eight and scored one touchdown in their final three games. So and with that one, with that one only coming as a result of a penalty that took them out of field goal range and forced a fourth down try. So that tells you just about everything you need to know about how this month of uh, November has really gone for the Gamecocks. Yeah, it is just the the most. I like. I don't get how you have two weeks to prepare for your arch rival, a game that does not need any more motivation than it already has. Right? You don't need Shaq coming up in here to hype up your players this week. Um, Marcus Lattimore is an all-time motivator. He don't have to say much this week, you know? Yeah. You don't have to say much more than we're playing Clemson for these guys to be ready to go. And you threw up the maybe the worst offensive performance you put up all year. Yeah. You know? I mean, I can't – Missouri was terrible. Um, but at least you were on the road and it was raining. You know, this – what do you got? You, you – Parker White – Credit to him for kicking a field goal. He's been pretty good in November, but what the hell does your kicker mean when the only one scoring points is your kicker? Yeah. I, it's just it, it's incredible to me how you have 13 days to prepare for a game and to get ready for a game. And no matter how big the opponent is, you score. It's not like the gap of – I get Clemson has supreme athletes, and they're probably the most talented team in this country from position to position. Um, I would take them. I would take their talent over Ohio State, Bama, LSU any day of the week. Uh, around across the board, and but you are not the gap is not that big. There are plenty of athletes here at the University of South Carolina, and we've talked about it on the show, um, in, in previous weeks. There is plenty of talent here, and when talent does not execute across the board, talent doesn't execute. There is no one to blame other than the people who prepare the talent. And this is this is just a result of a complete coaching staff failure yet another another time in the month of November. 
you know, you, you go to Texas A&M, you lose on the road, you score six points. And you play Appalachian State at home, and you lose by five points, and you score 15. Um, and, and then you play Clemson and lose by three and just have a terrible performance, just awful on offense. Uh, one thing I will, I'll, like we're, while we're on the subject of performance here, I want to point out is that Clemson's offensive line and their scheming and pass blocking was tremendous. Yeah. Kenlock was double and triple blocked all day. I was thinking as I was watching the game, it didn't seem like the Carolina defensive line had much of an impact on uh, And then Trevor's actually able to run a little bit and they really just get out of the pocket at times too. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, that's another thing you can point. You can point at the South Carolina coaching staff and say, how are you not prepared to find other ways to get pressure on Trevor Lawrence? You know you have an NFL first-round draft pick on your defensive line. You have a coaching staff who's proven to be the best in the country two out of the last three years. Um, you know they're going to scheme for him, right? You know Venables is going to have some – or not Venables. Um, help me out. Elliot? Tony Elliott. Tony Elliott. Tony Elliott. Uh, yeah, you know the two of them are going to have a scheme uh, for Kinlaw. And he gets double and triple teamed on plays, and you still cannot get pressure on Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I think they had one sack in the fourth quarter. That's crazy. It, it's the fourth quarter. Yeah, I know, right, which means it's garbage time anyway. Yeah, that, that Clemson offense line, they played very well. And the Carolina very, defense, very well. The Carolina defense line could not get through at all. Yeah, like you say, you study the film, you provide the counter to whatever they think that they're going to do against you, and that's generally how it's done. But either that didn't play, didn't take place or the uh, Carolina defense line just didn't execute. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just they played terrible. And then, uh, like, back to my four, the Fans, you just gotta be. You should be ashamed of yourselves the way Williams Price looked Saturday. Um, going off of that note, I, I saw the Gamecock Club tweeted out eight hours ago today that uh, South Carolina is doing major Williams Price stadium upgrades. Yeah, yeah, that's what I saw. So they're putting in a couple like new sections or whatever lodge sections, whatever they want to call it. Uh, the first one I saw, oh, the Gamecock Club, this tweet. They tweet out a picture of in the club level, um, on the east side and the south side. The, the there are fifteen different shades of red as the seats. Which how do you let happen? Paint your seats. Uh, they're replacing all of them with black. But I can tell you, Saturday sitting in the stands, those seats were completely empty by the second half. And I get your team is getting beat, but when you have your most loyal of fans decide to leave, you know, or not show up in the first place. It's, it, I mean, it's painful for a football program. Really but then also, yeah, if you're a Gamecock club, what? Shut up. This is not your week to tweet. <laughs> you know? How do you, I, how do any fans, if you're a Gamecock club and you're trying to sell tickets, how are showing your fans on a Monday after they got beat by, beat down, historically beat down by their rival? Showing them you're changing the color of the seats on Monday morning gonna make them want to buy, you know, tickets anymore next year. Yeah, I was gonna say that's definitely not the first thing on their mind. Also, if I'm not mistaken, the South Carolina's gonna have it kind of like how the Cowboys do whenever yes. you walk through. And yeah, if you could explain that a little more. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've actually uh, have you been to AT and T Stadium? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was there for the Cotton Bowl last year. Yeah, so you've seen it. Yeah, I went on a stadium tour one summer while I was out watching a Texas Rangers game. 
and the way they're kind of they're under their stadium are like you're walking a little under field level, so you're at like chest level with the field. Um, but they have a bar and all like set up by the fifty. I think they have a couple of them now. But there's like this suite, this club you pay you you're a part of it, and you and there's a cash bar or whatever inside. So they're gonna do that in the south end zone and make it a little different for recruits, I guess. The recruiting, I know the recruiting section has bumped up here over the last seven or eight years. Yeah. Um, so maybe they're, and it's the section right between, right over the tunnel, which is between the recruit section and the first section on the on the west, on the southwest side. Um, so that would be cool, the players walk through before the game, they're looking at the fans. Hopefully we get some wins here. But then you're walking through, you see the fans. The fans are like, oh, yeah, there's our guy special. I always think, like, the little kids, like, oh, yeah, and then yep. yeah, running out to the field. Yeah, so it's definitely going to be cool, right? But you don't want to be thinking about that. This, it's not the time. Yeah, yeah. usually this would probably come in, I would say, marketing, definitely probably after the new year, probably around that February time. It's probably the time to start Yeah, yeah maybe spring spring ball. Yeah, there you go. Uh, spring practice. Then you can start promoing that. Just, just terrible. <laughs> um, not a good strategic approach. Thanks for that. All right, so today's news, though. This is so we're recording this on Monday, uh, and it's and it's out. You as you're listening to this Tuesday, hopefully, you've probably learned by now. Muschamp has fired a few staffers: Jeff Dillman, strength and conditioning coach; uh, Dan Werner, quarterback coach; and most notably, Brian McClendon has not been fired. He has been demoted from offensive coordinator. Uh, so you know, he's been stripped of his title and his play calling ability, but. Um, I would would you make of it the the firings? Uh, with the whole McClendon thing, uh, it's brought to my attention. He probably has a lot of recruits that obviously the recruits like the program, but they're probably kind of tied to him a little bit. He's probably been the one contacting them, so you want to keep him on staff just to solidify some guys for National Signing Day and some other guys probably for years down the line that they've already got in contact with. Then you have Dan Werner. I wasn't exactly sure why they got rid of Dan. It might be maybe he had a difference of opinion with Muschamp or something because he was there whenever Chad Morris was at Ole Miss, and he's been around several other good quarterbacks. I thought he'd be a good guy for Alinsky to kind of learn from, from a guy who's coached a guy who's been there and done that. So I didn't really understand that one. Maybe they felt like the quarterback play or the development isn't what they thought it, it should be. And then lastly, the Dillman one, I kind of saw that one coming because with Dillman, it's like the part of the – I think we said it before in the show. Yeah. Part of the thing about being a strength and conditioning coach is you're studying to make sure these guys are as durable as long as possible. That's really your job. Make sure they're strong and ready to go and make sure they can go the duration of the season. So with them not being able to do that for two years back-to-back, because I had actually forgotten about the Clemson thing last year. Clemson, J.C. Horn didn't play, and a lot of other guys were injured then too. I know Jamias was out too for that game. Yeah, so two years back-to-back, it's like, well, maybe you're not doing the research, as much research as we need you to do. We're looking to get behind the doors we need you to look. So we're going to go ahead and let you go. But it's very rare that you see a strength and conditioning coach fired. Like, generally you see that when maybe a head coach – switches uh, schools, then maybe that happens, but yep. not usually that. So sucks for him, but hopefully they'll get the right guy in here. And look, here's the thing, and we did say this last last Monday maybe on the show. Yeah. I don't know. We've, we've talked about them before. When you show your strength and conditioning coach's face as much as you can on social media, um, and he's very noticeable on the sideline, and people know him by name other than strength and conditioning coach, it is not a good sign. <laughs> um, and I say that because the amount of injuries South Carolina has had, 
and multiple like soft tissue injuries and, and things like that. And I, you know, that's you cannot. We should not be sitting here on a Monday after the Clemson game talking about the strength and conditioning coach getting fired, right? And this is some, this is a non-topic if South Carolina doesn't pump up their own strength and the conditioning coach. And I think this is kind of one fallback of the media team that South Carolina has and the way things work now where you pump up and you take out every character inside of the football program and you make them as noticeable as possible. One fallback of that is now that those those guys, you know, they're they're under a microscope. Yep. And when we see Dillman as much as we do on the sideline, you know, we're he he's under he's under the crossing fire because we're getting a lot of injuries. But when you have, like we said the other week, when you have fans calling by name for your strength and conditioning coach to get fired, you have a sign. problem. Yes, definitely. Um, and one one comment I saw earlier this year from a fan and. Um, a guy here in, in who lives in Columbia said, "You know, what what does Dillman do? Why do I see him on my TV all the time? What what is he doing? You know, why is he on my TV screen every time we cut to Muschamp or whatever? You know, and, and I I kind of it's nitpicky, sure. I, and when I first saw it, I kind of was like, all right, dude, like he's a strength and conditioning coach. You know, do you, these guys, it's their job to be." the quote-unquote, like, holdback guy or the, like, the, you know, pencil holder for the football coach and, and the meathead on the sidelines. Uh, but at the same time, he, he's right in the fact that we don't need to see the strength and conditioning coach, you know. That should be – that that person should be behind the scenes as much as possible. And like you said, working to keep players in their peak provi- uh, physical performance yeah. for a long period of time. And that is not what we've seen over the last couple of years, and Dillman's going to take the fall for that. Um, it, somebody's got to get fired, and with the way that's gone, he's an easy target there. And then to Werner, to your points on Werner about maybe a difference of opinion or something, I, I think really he was just maybe a casualty of war. McClendon didn't get fired, so somebody responsible for something on the offensive <laughs> play calling has got to get fired, and he's the guy to go. Uh, but I would agree that, the quarterback progression in his time here has not been very good. Um, that's why Jake Bentley, you know, wasn't uh, – people weren't happy with Jake Bentley over the last couple years. He has not progressed as a quarterback in his time at the University of South Carolina. I still firmly believe that Jake Bentley has all the talent in the world, and he can be a really, really good quarterback. And we're about to find out because uh, he's going somewhere else. And it just didn't progress. And with Halinski throughout, you have to show progression through the year. I mean, progression happens week to week. It doesn't happen just in the offseason. Halinski digressed at one point in the season because in the Alabama game, he looked great. And then even though they lost that game by 20 points, um, very serviceable for a freshman quarterback. And then you look at the next few games, and maybe he just caught the yips in Missouri. I, I don't know, but he has not looked very good in the last several games, and it's tough to see uh, because that's another guy, you know, that has all the talent in the world, and right now he's just not progressing. And, like, that throw on Saturday, like I said earlier, right after the, the fourth fourth and goal stand, Yeah. I mean, that that was awful. Yeah, it was a bad, bad decision. decision. 
Yeah, he went 16 for 27, barely going over 100 yards passing. He had 105, and especially whenever he – Halinski is definitely a pocket passer. So, it's like he's yeah. got to be able to whip it because he's not going to be able to run the ball pretty much at all. Uh, one thing to consider – well, I thought was kind of interesting was whenever he was – you could see he was hurt. He was legitimately hurt. Yeah. But DeCarrion didn't even dress out because he's still in concussion protocol, and obviously Bentley didn't play. And so, at the one point, they had to go to Urich. It was like it was time. Ben. Luckily, you were just spending most of his time at Carolina as a quarterback, so he kind of just falls back on his fundamentals. But I mean, it was like, okay, no to carry on, no uh, uh, I'm, I, He didn't end up going into the tent, but I'm kind of surprised there. Well, I don't know. And also, this is probably best that the, there's no bowl game, so he can go ahead and get whatever surgery he needs done or rehab, whatever, so he'll be back for next season. But yeah, so Urich definitely took some snaps at quarterback. And this whole offseason, he had been training to go to receiver, so. But luckily, I, I, like I said before, most of his life he's probably been a quarterback. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't think so. We'll get to it just in a second, but Bentley announced today that he's transferring. Um, but to carry on, I, I don't see to carry on staying on board here because I think he knows he's not going to be the number one quarterback, and he wants a shot at that, and rightfully so, right? And I, I don't think... I, I do think when I watch Holinsky and I watch the carry-on, I, I think your your future's in Ryan Holinsky. Um, but here at South Carolina, and a lot of the reason I say that is we're seeing it in Baltimore right now uh, with, in, in, with the Ravens you can't, and Lamar Jackson. You cannot take a running quarterback or an athletic quarterback, someone who can move around and make some moves, and do some different stuff, a very untraditional guy, and just plug him into an offense. And that is what South Carolina is going to try to do here, and that is what the NFL has been trying to do for years until you see John Harbaugh and the Ravens completely redesign their offense specifically for Lamar Jackson. And those are the kind of places you need to be to have success is that kind of quarterback. It's not the quarterback. It's a system. And South Carolina is not going to change its system for to carry on because they're too scared. Muschamp has shown all year he cannot commit to a quarterback. So why would he change in his entire system for a quarterback when he doesn't fully believe in him? I don't think Muschamp, I don't I don't think this coaching staff fully believes in either quarterback because they certainly have not shown us that all year. And, and I, I just don't get for to carry if I'm to carry on, I, I'm leaving. And it's no hard feelings, but you're leaving for the best for yourself. Yeah. And I want to see this kid play because he's really good, you know, and, and we've seen him play in spurts and we saw him play at Fort D in high school <laughs> and he was really good. Obviously, that's why he's got a scholarship here. Uh, but I think in his best, it's probably in his best interest to just call it a day and move on and find some playing time somewhere else because I, I just don't think it's going to work here. And I don't think the turmoil that the coaching staff is currently under is going to do him any favors. Yeah, because it's one thing for a coach like you have kind of loyalty to like, okay, let's go ahead and try this. He probably had a better chance under McClendon for them to kind of change the offense than he will Maybe for so. the next guy. Not to mention what you had to think about here is they're not recruiting more guys like to carry on. Seems like South Carolina, yeah. for the most part, I mean, if you might be dual threat, but for the most part, I think South Carolina likes that pro-style quarterback. And so it's like you're not going to change the system for this guy and then go back to it. It's kind of like Deshaun Watson, you go get Trevor. Well, Deshaun can throw the ball very well himself, so you go get Trevor who can do the exact same thing, throw it and run it. So some things to consider. Yeah, and you have Luke Doty coming in here next year, who's another elite 11 quarterback. I'm sorry? 
Yeah, he'll be playing in the state championship here on Saturday. If not yeah, for Myrtle Beach? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think he's injured. No. Oh, yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, injured. I did see that he's out. Yeah. No. I don't. It's not a big injury, um, but I saw that he is out. I, yeah, I'm glad you said that. I saw wow. that on Twitter because I saw some, some South Carolina fans freaking out about it. But from everything I saw, it's a, I don't remember what it is, but it's a when did he get, like, I'll try to, cautionary Did he play last there. week, or has he been out for a little while now? Uh, he did play. He left a game two weeks ago with an injury, and then they said that he was okay. Um, and then, I guess, then they came back and said that something else about him. Anyway, he's coming in, uh, injured or not, and you're going to have to, to carry on now, is not only going to have to compete with Holinsky for a starting job, he's going to have to compete with Doty for, you know, second string. Yeah. And Holinsky's going to have to compete with compete with Doty to start. Yeah. So, and, and this is no joke of a quarterback you got coming in, and, and uh, Luke Doty very, mel- very well may walk in here in spring ball and be named the starter. Now, I don't believe that he will because of the way that Muschamp tr- treated it with Bentley uh, and, and – to carry on and some of the other quarterbacks, Holinsky in this spring, um, and he just tend to show his loyalty to his quarterbacks over over the last few seasons. Will Luke be a uh, early enrollee, or will he be? Here? I believe he will be here in, in January. Okay. Um, and then we'll move to this. So we've kind of went through the criticism of, of South Carolina, but I wanted to say this: Dabo Sweeney after the game. He made some comments. I, I quote tweeted him uh, at Tyler Walter CNR. If you want to watch the video real quick, it's a two minute video, but about the 45, first 45 seconds, we can we'll throw it in here. How important is this game? It's huge. I mean, I mean, it's it's huge from a national standpoint because obviously, if we lose this game, I mean, they're gonna kick us out. They don't want us in there anyway. Uh, I mean, it, we'd be we'd be we'd drop to 20. You know, I mean, Georgia loses to this very same team, and the very next day it's how do we keep Georgia in it? We win to the team that beat South Carolina, and it's we. how do we get Clemson out? It's the dadgummest thing. So it's big because, you know, they can't vote us out. I mean, we got we to gotta go under. We got to go 30-0. and 0. I mean, we ain't got no choice. But we don't play nobody. So... I mean, it's big from a national standpoint, but it's huge for this state. And, you know, Dabo's saying Georgia lost to this very same team, and the very next day it's how do we keep Georgia in it. Uh, we went to the team to beat – or we, we beat South Carolina, and it's how do we get Clemson out, something like that. Or they beat North Carolina, and he was like, oh, how do we keep Clemson out? Dude, Georgia has three top 15 wins this, this season. Right, their only their loss is at home to South Carolina. You were right, and you know it looks almost as bad as you going to North Carolina and losing. And it, had it not been for just a terrible two point play call at North Carolina, Mac Brown running a speed option or triple option or whatever, oh, whatever that was, which is was ridiculous. Uh, North Carolina stood a very good chance of winning that game. Yes, people don't want to see Clemson in. People don't think Clemson deserved to be in after you've played the worst conference in America. <laughs> I mean, the, I'm, by all means, the American Athletic Conference has been more competitive this year than the Atlantic, uh, or than the, the Atlantic Coast Conference, Coast Conference. Yeah. And, and they've had better teams 
than the other what thirteen teams in the country in the ACC. Uh, you you're not telling SMU at points, Memphis at points, and Cincinnati. Uh, and, and Cincinnati and Memphis still probably would be favored on a neutral site against most of the teams in the ACC other than Clemson. Um, so, yeah, you, you can't complain about, you know, obviously you can't control your conference sucks, but, yeah, you're going to take criticism for playing a crappy uh, regular season. You know, you play Texas A&M at home. Uh, granted, I mean, that's just one part of the, that's the benefit year, the home and home. I think this year it would have benefited you to play them away. You still would have beat them. But, you know, Dabo playing this, and, and I saw it a lot this weekend, the Chris Fowler criticized him for the, the sick of this, like, you know, oh, uh, no one thinks anything of us comments. Dude, you haven't lost a game in two years, you know. Um, your quarterback right now hasn't lost a game as since he's started starting. For you, which is crazy to think about, saying that he started like day one. Yeah, what he two games last year with Kelly Bryant. Oh yeah, that is and, right. And, yeah, yeah. and he still, I mean, they didn't lose. So, and he started, uh, and then people are tired of Dabo playing, downplaying, or playing the the under underdog the card, yeah, the victim the, the victim. Uh, you're gonna get in no matter what, but you shouldn't be number one or number two because you have not done the things that LSU or Ohio State has done this year. You haven't even come close. You know, Ohio State's been doing the same things you've been doing to teams, except they did them on the road in Ann Arbor this weekend. Meanwhile, you did it on the road uh, against a 4-8 and eight football team who lost to Appalachian State and has struggled to score more than three points a game in the last four weeks. So you're going to take some heat. And, I, I, you know, this constant just... If you want to stack up Clemson's resume versus George's resume right now, the only reason the committee would have Clemson in over Georgia is the fact that they just haven't lost. But I think there would be a lot of the committee on the the way they seem to be voting that would vote Georgia over Clemson. Yeah, when I heard the comments, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, well, the only the difference here is the one team has played, like you said, the top 15 teams, and therefore Clemson has done anything. But... Yeah, so we're going to see what happens with Clemson. Uh, they'll, they'll go play Virginia in the AC, ACC championship game. Yeah, they'll be, be fun. They'll win by 35. Yeah. yeah. When Dabo first got to Clemson, when he first got to Clemson, there was a motivational video where they said that it's time to turn the ACC back to what it used to be that needs another Clemson championship. Well, they've obviously done that at this point. So they'll probably so they'll go beat Virginia on Saturday and be prepared Sunday to figure out if they'll be playing and what is that, Arizona or Atlanta for yeah. the semifinal? Yeah, uh, I mean, they'll be, you're, you're in. Like, it's, it's, he said at one point, he's like, what do we have to go 30-0? and Like, yeah, dude, you do have to go 30-0 and against the ACC for the people to respect you because the ACC sucks. <laughs> but the good thing for you is you have quite literally gone 30-0 and against the <laughs> ACC in the last couple of years. So it doesn't matter. And, and it's just an old narrative that I'm just kind of tired of hearing um, and I think it was just kind of funny this week how uh, he got called out. People are just tired of his, you know, kind of the, the whininess um, from from Dabo. We'll move on from Clemson, South Carolina, and we'll go, you know, to the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe, which we talked about at great length last week. Had a lot of fun looking that up. Had a really fun time doing the rivalry show. By the way, let us know if you haven't listened to it. If you didn't, if you missed it for some reason, go back and listen to it. 
you can listen to us speculate about the games, but you really won't. A lot of it, you know, is more of a history lesson, um, and it, it's it's pretty a lot of fun stuff about college football that we did the special last. It came out last Wednesday, I think the twenty sixth or twenty seventh, something like that. Uh, so go listen to that if you haven't. But battle for Paul Bunyan's axe, number twelve, Wisconsin, or this week's number twelve, who yet to be seen what they'll be this week. 38-17 over Minnesota. Um, just a, a dominating game, and I did. I got to watch a good bit of the you know the first quarter. By the time I got home from the from the Clemson Carolina game, it was you know almost fourth quarter for the battle for Bunyan's axe. And Wisconsin was steamrolling Minnesota in the snow. Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of cool. Uh, they were showing it like as a commercial, not as a commercial, but like a preview of the game, where they were actually getting uh, had the shovels out, were getting the snow and sending them down a ramp so that the fans could actually have a place to sit because it was snowing so much. Yeah, it, it it looked nuts there, which was awesome. I mean, that's peak. Like that's what you want for Minnesota, Wisconsin. Um, but I bring this game up to talk about this, and I think I said it last week. If you were the, you know, you if you hate Ohio State but you love the Big Ten, you should have been rooting for Minnesota this game because Minnesota is the only other team. Minnesota can beat Ohio State on the right day, right? Granted, they have to have a lot of things go right for them. But Wisconsin will not come close to beating Ohio State. It is what Wisconsin does. They get there every year. They do great against teams. Uh, that aren't as good, and then they face a team. They face Ohio. It's Ohio State. They face Ohio State, and it'll be similar to what we saw a few years ago when Wisconsin had a lot of hype going to the Big Ten championship, and they lost what fifty-five nothing. Yeah. You know, also the one of the best uh, plays in college football, or best replays in college football, is a a blindside block in that game where a Wisconsin dude just gets lit. He gets completely laid out. And now when I'm watching these college football games and I see, did you watch Oklahoma, Oklahoma State? Yes. There was a hit, and I'm like, God, that's a great hit. Rivalry game is Bedlam. And they throw the flag, target. I'm just like, my God, like you can't do anything anyway. You can't blindside. You can't like hit anybody too hard in the middle section. It's no longer football. It's officially flag football. This I, I, want, I do want the blindside, block, uh, blindside blocks back. There is nothing like watching yeah. a, someone just get lit up on a blindside block. I freaking love them. And, and I mean, you like you don't. I don't know. I don't know what the stats are with how many injuries come off of blindside blocks. I get the targeting thing. Because um, now you're talking about people's brains, and <laughs> that, that's just that's a completely different world. But the blindside blocks, like I don't remit, I don't feel like a lot of people get seriously injured on those. I mean, I could be just completely off on that and misremembering. But I feel like at most you get the. You get the wind knocked out of you. You look real bad on tape, and whoever did it to you is riding high for the next three weeks. You for know, sure when they watch the film. And then, but I always say with football, like the, the big argument was players should know what like what the cost. I don't know if I say the what the risk is of playing the sport. But there's right, a certain right. part of football that that comes with football of their injury risk that you take. And it's like, God just wanted to be informed about it. But now they're informed. It's like, okay, we can continue to play football. Like, at one point, football is like gladiators. Now it's just, like I said, flag football. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I have to agree with you a lot. I have to agree with you a lot, a lot on that. Right? If you choose to play football, you know what you are getting into. Yeah. But guys don't care. Yeah. They want to play the sport because it is something that they can play. It is the only sport, well, I guess hockey. But 
It's the only sport where you can really go full speed without wearing skates. Yeah. And just hit somebody as absolutely as hard as you can. And people love that. Cheer for Guys it. are attracted to it. That is why a lot of people play football is so they can lay someone out. You can't do that in baseball, and you can't do it in basketball. You certainly you can't breathe on someone in basketball anymore. Um, like, you can't... You, this is the only sport where those kind of that kind of violence exists. People love that, and you, you at some point, what does it become? You know, you protecting players, and what point does it become? You stripping away what the game of football actually is, and if you don't like the risk of being injured, don't play football. Yeah, it kind of comes with the territory. Also, the final score of this game ended up being thirty-eight 30 to seventeen. 17? Yeah. Uh, Minnesota strike first with seven in the first quarter. Then uh, from there, Wisconsin had ten. Wisconsin didn't score all in the first quarter. Wisconsin had 10, 14, and 14. So you got Jonathan Taylor's stats pulled up from this one? Yes, I do. Jonathan Taylor only had he had 18 carries for 76 yards and two touchdowns. He usually has more than 100 yards rushing. Absolutely. But the two touchdowns still couldn't. Two TDs uh, from Jonathan Taylor, who was an early season Heisman candidate, and he's kind of fallen off. Um, we'll move on from there. We'll go to the game. Ohio State, we briefly mentioned Ohio State. I missed all of this when I was at the South Carolina game. Ohio State went to Ann Arbor and bloodbath. Yep, 56-27. I didn't – I don't know. It's hard to say. I wanted wanted Michigan to be close, but it's it's Ohio State. And the bigger point here is um, the most interesting thing about this is, like, Harbaugh, this is, what, five straight years – He's lost to Ohio State now. Michigan loves to think of themselves as this premier, premier football team, right? But they haven't won. When's the last time Michigan won? Look up the last time Michigan won a national national championship because I honestly have no clue. But they are certainly not on the level that Ohio State is. Yeah, they're not on the same level. Let's see right here. Um, They won their last one in 1989. Yeah, so you're talking – this is, this is Georgia, Alabama, is what it is, right? It's, it's not Ohio State, Michigan, as in like, Clemson, Alabama. It's Georgia, Alabama, who play in the SEC championship game every year, and occasionally Georgia will get one over on them, but then Ohio State comes back a month later in, in the national championship and reminds them who's daddy, you know? <laughs> it's it's that kind of thing. It's it, who's this is Ohio State at this point. Michigan loves to call Michigan State little brother. Michigan is absolutely little brother to Ohio State. Ohio State-Wisconsin games have been far more uh, compelling and have had far more on the line in the last five years than this Ohio State-Michigan rivalry has. Michigan's won once in, like, the last 15 years or something. At what, like, at what point does it become, you know, not a rivalry? This is – it's just – it's an embarrassment to Michigan every year. For you to hype up like you're some, you know, you're that you're you're on Ohio State's level all year, and every year you just get destroyed. Yeah. So is John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh your man or not? Because he he's not going to beat Ohio State. I at this point I don't think he'll he is ever going to beat Ohio State. Yeah, I wouldn't bet your money on it. So at some point, like like we said before, with the whole Georgia situation is going to be like, do we want to like do we feel like we're the type of program that can beat them and then go and win a national championship? If so, we might need to make a change. Yeah, I mean you got Mark Rick wearing you got Mark Rick and khakis is what you got right <laughs> now. You got a, a Mark Rick instead of a, you know someone who like 
You got a Mark Rick who loves himself. Yeah. Is what you really got. Uh, no offense to Jim Harbaugh. I love that he loves himself and is just a big idiot. But uh, he's 10-2, and two and he's going to get you that every year. And he, he's just going to be 10-2. and two. He's yeah. not really going to do much else. That's all you're going to get. And in this game, Justin Fields had 14. He went 14 for 25, 302 yards, four touchdowns. J.K. Dobbins had a huge day. He had 30, 31 carries. That's a lot of carries. Ooh. They almost, Obviously, they have to win these games, but it's almost like you almost want to push him down a little bit, maybe 20, maybe 24, because he's still got to play in th- three, three, three more three games. Three more if they're going to win the championship. Win, yeah. But he had 31, good God, 31 carries, 211 yards, and four touchdowns. So big, big, day. Di- big day. Michigan held their own in the first quarter. The score was 14-13. Ohio State then scored 14 points in each quarter. Also, so Justin Fields had a strained MCL. He suffered against Penn State. In this game, he re-injured that same leg, but then he came back in after that, after the injury. He scored through another touchdown. It's like, okay, everything's going to be fine. But that is going to be something they're going to look into. Could be interesting. Yeah. I don't I don't think you're going to need him really a lot next week against Wisconsin. Yeah. I, I don't think – I think if Justin Fields is – you let him play the first quarter, and when you're up out, by 35 after the first quarter, pull him, you know. Go ahead and let, get him out Let Dobbin to run. Uh, let someone else throw the ball. I mean, they got they got. I don't know who their backup is right now, but I'm sure it's some kid who's pretty good at slinging the rock and just let him get back there. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, back to Harbaugh. At what point do you think you know they're gonna Michigan or Michigan fans okay with going ten and two every year, or do they really want to beat Ohio State? Because I don't think Harbaugh is gonna do it. But at the same time, who are you gonna hire? Harbaugh is the ultimate Michigan man. You know, he played quarterback there. Uh, he loves football. He loves Michigan. Um, but, like, who is, you know, is he going to is he gonna do it at Michigan? I don't know. I think I think he would have already done it. Yeah, and the, you, what you fear is I'm running into another Brady-Hoke situation or somebody like that. Well, maybe not Brady because Brady had one year. But it's like you go back into what Michigan was, so then you need another hardball to come back and get them back to this little even kill that they are at now. Yeah, I mean, they're certainly a, a good team, but I don't look at Michigan uh, and think, I mean, remember, what, three, four, three years ago? Three years ago. Muschamp's second year when, you know, Michigan was picked to be in the college football playoff, and they lost to South Carolina in the Capital One Bowl. Yeah. Or whatever it was. Outback, Outback Bowl. Whatever, one of those Florida Bowls. Like, that, that's kind of what you're, what you're at with Michigan right now. You're not going to go any higher, I don't think, with Harbaugh. I think you've reached the ceiling, uh, which is sad. I mean, and you look at Stanford, Harbaugh had a lot of good years, and he won some Pac-12 championships. But did he get you the what you want? You know, the national championship? No, he never, he never even played for it. I wouldn't be surprised if he is back to the NFL. Maybe not this season, but probably after next season. I, I do think at some point, I don't think, I, I think it's going to be hard for Michigan to let Jim Harbaugh go. Uh, because I don't know, like, Michigan's an attractive job, but is it any more attractive than, I mean, this could be just huge SEC bias, but any of them in the SEC right now, you know? I don't, especially in the SEC East, is it more attractive than Tennessee? I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, you know. got a lot more rebuilding to do at Tennessee, but the SEC East is where you want to be. Right, you got to beat Georgia and Florida. They're going to be pretty tough, right? But you'd have to beat tough teams at Michigan. You got to beat Ohio State and Penn State and some other schools, Wisconsin. Um, 
but you're in the East, so you're not in the West. And you you know you make it to the conference championship game, and you win. You're in the playoff. You're guaranteed in the uh, SEC. You yeah. know, even if you're a one loss SEC team, you're pretty much in the the championship. If you're or in the college football playoff, if you're a one loss SEC team. Uh, unfortunately, this year there will be no one loss SEC teams unless Georgia happened to win next Saturday or this Saturday. Uh, but yeah, it's I don't I don't know if, you know how how much better of a job is. Michigan than that. I, I mean, I'd choose Tennessee, obviously, because of the SEC. But who do you get? We'll move on quickly. Iron Bowl. Mac Jones. All right, I said Alabama by 20. I picked Auburn in this it's, one. It's, ki- it's kind of Mac Jones. It's only kind of Mac Jones' fault. <laughs> because he threw, he was 26 for 39, 335 yards and four touchdowns. But he did throw two pick sixes. Yeah. Which is which is big fourteen points. Yeah. So it. you take away those two picks, two pick sixes, and Alabama does almost win by twenty points. Yeah. So he was good and bad, but you know it. You, uh, Auburn still scored thirty five point thirty four points on Alabama's defense, and Auburn offense who has not been very good this year. When you look at Bo Nick's stats throughout the year. He beat Alabama throwing 50. He went 15 for 30, which is 50% for 173 yards and one touchdown. It's like, how does this guy keep doing this? I don't know how he does it. And then some of that, Auburn has some stupid penalties as well. But anyway, it's just like, I don't know how he does it, but he just keeps making it happen. So right now they're 9-3. They won the bowl game. They have a 10-3 in a successful year at uh, Auburn. Gus Melzahn just <laughs> saved his ass. And he's done it before, yeah. right? He did it a couple years ago, and he beat Georgia, and, and then he beat um, Alabama, and then they lost in the SEC championship game again to Georgia. Uh, and, and he was supposed to be gone that year because they weren't having a great year, and then I think they had two losses, and you're looking down the barrel of gun at Georgia and Auburn in November, or Georgia and Alabama, and you beat both of them, and you move on. And you lost this year to Georgia, but you just beat Alabama. Just do so it. nothing matters when you beat Nick Saban because Nick Saban was supposed to be on a vengeance. Like he was supposed to be on a tear, and they were supposed to be going to the national championship, even though you know they didn't have Tua, and even though they had already lost LSU. Um, but it's gone, and, and I mean it's just incredible by Malzahn. Just to, he's got just the right amount of okay. I, I really need to to get a win. Yeah. In him <laughs> when he really needs it. He, he's a great procrastinator. He's all-time. Um, maybe I myself am a little Gus Malzahn. When you, you know, you push it way too far, but when you really, really, really need a win, you pull one out of the hat. He's like, all right, guys, y- y'all know what time it is. Y'all got my back. Uh, what is it? You got my back. I got y'all back. All right, let's go out here and get the win. Now, I will say in this game, Jalen Waddle, I think he said. Waddle, yeah. Waddle was insane. Incredible. Kickoff, he's forever solidified as one of the great players in this rivalry at this point. Three receiving touchdowns, and then he had the kickoff return for a touchdown. And what's insane about this, he's the the fourth best receiver on the roster because Jerry Judy was, up, was supposed to be up for the Blinto Cough Award. That is not happening anymore. I think Waddle might be ahead of him now. Just Jalen's had, Jalen Waddle's had a huge November. Yeah, and then Devontae Smith, who caught the pass against Georgia to win the national championship. And then Henry Ruggs, the third. I think Henry was a little bit injured here. But, yeah, but Jalen, I mean, that's kind of the epitome of Alabama. Like, we got everybody. Like, come yep. out here. We can roll with our fourth guy. He could be our second guy. Whatever it takes, we're going to usually get the win. Didn't happen today. Very two, very two, very very different post game comments uh, from from 
Malzahn and Saban. Malzahn's talking about what he's ordering at Waffle House yeah. after, which he did go to Waffle House. Uh, it was and, confirmed. Yeah, he, he did go. And Saban was complaining about, I, I forget the exact quote, and I'm not going to, it's not even worth looking up. Saban complaining about refs after the game. I mean, dude, come on. After, uh, I'm not one of these people to say that Alabama always gets the breaks, blah, blah, blah. But you look back at just the season and, and the Tennessee game, and you tell me you didn't have some calls go your way, I, I just don't want to hear. I don't care. I don't care. And what I really don't care about is I'm not a big ref complainer guy. Anyway, I really don't care about how much you like want to blame a game on the refs. If you were the better team, you would have won. Yeah. If if you were better than Auburn, this game should not have been within three touchdowns. If you were the team that we thought you were coming in, or that you really are, and you lived up to that, this game would not have been within three touchdowns. It did not matter if Nick Saban himself we're playing quarterback. This game should not have been close. And the fact that you let Auburn hang around and let the refs dictate, you know, in your mind, the outcome of this game just reflects bad poorly on you. Right. And I don't like calling out refs for one or two bad calls. Even though if refs made ten bad calls in a game, you know, and it's every drive, it's something drastic, okay. But that's never happened in the history of any sport ever. in uh, if you're a better team, you win. The better team wins. Right. So, and I think Alabama's a better team, but on this day, on Saturday, Auburn was the best team on the field. Uh, move on to a little, just a touch of, of the Egg Bowl before we get on to the last few topics. I know we're running a little long today, but we got a lot to talk about with the, the rivalry and whole disaster in Columbia here. Uh, the Egg Bowl, <laughs> did you see the Egg Bowl? I didn't see the egg, but I saw the ending of it. Okay. Oh, my God. Funny story. So, if you haven't seen this yet, go on Twitter, Google something, search Egg Bowl 2019 ending, right? Uh, Thanksgiving night, Ole Miss marches down the field last second, get a touchdown. They're down by one point. Elijah Moore, their starter wide receiver, does a dog hiking his leg celebration messing around fooling around with Odell Beckham yeah he saw it on TV thought it'd be a good idea but it's a little bit different in the NFL draws the the 15 yard pass interference backs the uh the PAT up kicker misses the PAT done toast game's over and I'm telling you right now those are not nice people in Mississippi no. Like, you will be getting some phone calls. Oh, uh, he's gotten hate mail, no doubt. Because those people do not. And it's like, but the thing, I, I, the question always goes down to, was it worth it? Was it worth it to do the little celebration? Was, like, those couple seconds of fame or whatever you got or the whatever reason you want to do that, was it worth it? I'll tell you why, you got, what, why it really wasn't worth it. Hey, well, let me say this first. Uh, some great comments on the Internet about this one. I've, heard, I've seen Old Piss and... Ole Miss really pissed this one away. They're <laughs> real easy jokes, but they still got to me. Uh, but Elijah Moore doing that, got that move there got Matt Luke fired. There is no doubt in my mind. Ole oh. Miss fired Matt Luke yesterday, Sunday, or Monday. Um, that I, be, I truly believe that that move that ended up costing the game was the reason that Matt Luke was fired. Explain that. Um, I, I just don't think, like... If he beats Mississippi State in a comeback win, Ole Miss probably hangs on to Matt Luke for one more year. They say, you know what, screw it. No, doesn't matter who we get in here next year. We're going to have to play LSU and Auburn and Alabama and 
Mississippi State and, you know, whoever from the East. Um, I don't know who they have next year. It's about time for them to play a Florida or a Georgia again. Uh, I think they maybe say, screw it, we'll hang on to him, and we'll fire him next year if he sucks again. But you cannot, that, those kind of little dumb mistakes to your rival, boosters don't take lightly, and, and the school board hears about it, and then they call you, and you're fired. Uh, Matt Luke, interestingly enough, I, I saw was in the home with the recruit, and with a recruit, or a commit, actually, in his home when he found out he got fired Sunday evening. So I guess it was Sunday. Um, yeah, that was pretty weird. That's a, I bet that's a weird thing. But apparently the story goes he told the, the kid to stick it out at Ole Miss and, I don't know, guess left or whatever, says a piece. Uh, Matt Luke should have never been hired at Ole Miss. I don't, I don't think he was deserving of the Ole Miss job. Uh, they hired him because he played for Ole Miss, which is fair, but you can't, you know, you can't just hire someone because they played for you. Yeah, at some point their credentials not to match up. Would you would would you hire Stephen Garcia at South Carolina? No. <laughs> I mean, I would love to see it, but no. I think it would be a, a great time here in Columbia. Uh, which brings me to the next next little little segment, the John Gruden Memorial Fire Football Coaches of America segment of the week. Um, I guess this will probably be a recurring theme over the next couple of weeks. We'll keep this one in because some more more people will be getting fired. Matt Luke, right off the top, Ole Miss. Barry Odom out at Missouri. Yeah, kind of surprised me. Um, he's this was his fourth season, hasn't done much, and I, I I don't hate the move. Right, you get Kelly Bryant into your program, you got to do more than what they've done this year. Um, so Barry Odom's gone. And obviously, Chad Morris left from Arkansas earlier this year. Those three schools in the SEC. I saw this earlier, and I'm interested to hear your take. What What is the best job? What Which one is the most attractive to you in the SEC? Ole Miss, Missouri, or Arkansas? I'm gonna go ahead and say uh, Missouri. Really? Why? I'm gonna say Missouri just because Missouri is in the East, right? Yeah, Missouri's in the East. I'm just saying. I feel like anytime you can compete in the East, and you have to go play against LSU and Alabama every year. Be in Auburn, you're in a better position. Okay, that's that's my only reason. Because okay. I'm like I, Arkansas, I don't know if Arkansas can beat the three. I don't know if Arkansas will ever make it to the SEC championship game. Yeah, like if I don't think they have. When's the last time Arkansas has even been in an SEC championship game? I don't. I don't. Maybe when they had McFadden, but I. You may be right. I don't. They might have not ever made it. Yeah. If they have, I think maybe for some reason I want to say it was twice when they had McFadden, but I'm not sure. Yeah, because the res the resources while wow, Brendan's trying to find that out, the resources in the SEC West are great. Like when Chad Morris got there, the money that they were able to give him, recruiting staff and all that stuff, they're able to. You got it. You got it yet? You see it? Uh, yeah, 2006 SEC championship game. Um, I think that was McFadden. Arkansas. Lost to the Florida Gators. Yeah, lost to Florida. so Arkansas yeah. oh, lost Florida to won Florida. Florida. No, Florida when, won the national championship that year. When uh, Chris Urban Lee. was there. Yeah, yeah Chris yeah. Lee. Because, like, in the SEC West, there's definitely resources and Young Tim Tebow on the sidelines, too. It's crazy to think about. But, like like I said, like, the resources are there. The recruiting is there and all that stuff. But I don't think you can ever just yeah. make it to the end. If you can, it's definitely not going to be consistently. You're almost hoping for one of those other schools to have a down year, and you're always competing against those guys on the recruiting trail. Missouri, I always think back to whenever they had Dory Green Beckham, and they made yeah. it to SEC Championship. I'm like, that can happen there again. So that's my okay. take on it. Yeah. Darren McFadden was on the team. Yeah. yeah. Felix Jones, Darren go. McFadden, Felix. those guys. One of the best 
SEC duos of all time. Good call. Good those call. Those two. Uh, now you, what did you think I, about that? See, I saw that on Twitter earlier, and I hadn't thought about it like that. I hadn't thought about Missouri. That's what shocked me, because Missouri was ahead of the school that I picked. Number one was Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, but I would have picked Arkansas really? for the, v- the very last reason you just said, because of the money factor. Yeah. A, you have one good year. You one decent year, they're probably going to screw up and sign you to extension. <laughs> and it doesn't matter because even if you get fired in two years, they've got Jerry Jones money, and you're going to get one hell of a buyout. Yep. Uh, so you're going to get rich. Um, B, they ain't expecting much. And 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 C, you know, you've point, got a really good be- fan base. Okay. And you are the thing in your state. Everyone yeah. is Arkansas football. you got a lot of support. And I think you can recruit there. I that, really do think you can recruit Texas very well. Because Chad Morris has started pulling the guys in. Like It seemed like the tr- program was starting to go, at least in the recruiting aspect, was starting yeah. to go well for Chad. He had like three or four four-star receivers coming there, and it was working, and he just probably needed a little bit more Chad time. Chad needed more time. He's yeah. co- he was completely changing that program from what it was. And, and I mean, it was just obvious he wasn't going to win in the first few years there, and I think they probably should have given him more time. But Arkansas, right now, you go in, you know, you go win your four non-conference games, they're not happy, but they're not going to fire you. Chad couldn't do that, uh, and that's why he's gone, you know. But I, I don't pick – most people picked – I think it was something like 51 60%. I don't know if a bunch of Ole Miss fans got a, got a hole in this poll, and I don't even remember <laughs> where I saw it. Uh, but I, the reason I don't choose Ole Miss is because, A, you're, you don't have the money like Arkansas does. Um, but I think you're still even with Missouri there. I don't, Missouri doesn't have that kind of money either. Um, B, you have to play all the teams that you just named, so you give Missouri the advantage there. Uh, and C, you are splitting the state with Mississippi State, who, if you lose to, you will get fired for, which we just saw <laughs> last week, or this week, with with uh, the, the whole, you know, Matt Luke and the, the old piss debacle. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I thought that was an interesting just little poll there that Ole Miss was number one. That would be the lot. I, I think I would take Ole Miss number two just because of the tradition at Ole Miss. Um, and you get to hang out with two-thirds of the, or I guess three-quarters of the Manning boys. Yeah. Um, everyone except for Peyton. So, that I mean, that would be kind of cool, I guess. Maybe, you know, get, get uh, Archie to buy some recruits for you. So... Do you think that they could ever legally do, like, what Hugh Freeze do there, like, within the rules? Or do you think that that is, like, a really, really a stretch? It's tough, but, I mean, it can happen. So, I mean, we'll see. I, I just, I don't, LSU was never at the point that Arkansas and, and Ole Miss now are now. But you can take three years and make yourself what LSU was three years ago. And you can take three more years and make yourself what LSU is now. Um it's just it's it's not easy. You gotta you, you gotta win big games. Uh, the other one that shocked me, we talked about this a little bit. Clay Helton is is gone from Southern California. Um, he had a pretty good year. He finished one win away from the Pac-12 championship. That's what I was thinking. Of. And they canned him. Yep. So I, I was a little shocked. The only reason I think you would have to do this is if you knew for a fact Urban Meyer is coming to Southern Cal. Any other excuse is not good enough for me because I think Clay Helton was just as good as whoever the next guy you're going to get is unless you're Urban Meyer. And if you they mess around and beat uh, – if, if Utah mess around 
and makes it to the college football playoff with Alabama losing, it would have beaten the team in the college football playoff. Yeah. With a third-string quarterback. Yeah, so, they had a good win. They lost two games this year. I mean, I progress. Like, I just don't, I don't get, like, who you think is going to come that's going to be better. Because I know Southern Cal loves to think of themselves as this high and mighty football program. You are not that anymore. Yeah. You have not had success since Pete Carroll left. Who the hell are you going to get? Like, going to bring Lane Kevin back? I mean, I got that a little further down in my notes. But is that really what you're going to do? Yeah, the question is I, how to do it. I, I don't know. So, you know, um, Pete Carroll ain't coming back. Let me tell you that. It's just not happening. I just don't know who you're going to get to come coach that program to get it to a level where you think you're, you're supposed to be. It's just this arrogance. It's the same thing going on with Michigan. It's you think you're in Florida State. We talked about it a few weeks ago. You think you're a lot hotter of a job than you really are right now. Uh, Charlie Strong also out at USF, and Steve Adazio out at Boston College. Steve Adazio's been there a while. Boston College has sucked for a while. Uh, USF was good for a long time, and I love Charlie Strong, and I was happy he went there. But I haven't really watched him at all since Charlie's been there, so that tells you about how good they've been. Um, most surprising coaching news of the day. We talked about this guy a few times this year. Chris Peterson stepped down at Washington um, early this afternoon, early Monday afternoon. He will assume a leadership advisory role for the Husky Athletics. I, just a weird, weird move for me. So six seasons at Washington for Chris Peterson after he left Boise State. Um, stepped down. He's stepping down after the bowl game. He just beat Washington State in the Apple Cup 31-13 Friday. 54 and 26 all time at Washington. Two Pac-12 titles, 2016 and 2018. 2016 college playoff, uh, football, college football playoff appearance. Got torched by Bama 24/7, but he did make an appearance. That this move really, really shocked, and I think it shocked a lot of people. Yeah, because you don't get that at Washington. I mean, maybe I think it used to be good back in the day. Yeah. But as far as right good, now, that's a great resume. Like as a matter of fact, he gets like a they're good now. This is, they're just having it down here. <laughs> he goes into the Washington Hall of Fame as far as for coaching. Yeah, whatever. absolutely. Because he's had a heck of a career. That I know they like whenever the boosters who ever heard about they're like or the president like no like we're gonna talk to him. Maybe it's a personal reasons for health. For health concerns, but it's like no, you you can't. Like, we're gonna get that figured out. We'll see you to your doctor, but you got to coach for us. I don't know what it is. I cannot imagine Washington coming to him and telling him to take this role and we fire you. I, I just can't imagine that's the truth. Um, he's done fantastic there. He's he just had a very mediocre year. I think they finished six and six or seven and five, and I I don't know. I was very shocked by it. And he said it was just the time for him to step away from coaching for being a head coach. So I don't know what's going on. I don't want to assume anything that happened weird at Washington. I don't know. Um, but from a coach, from him as a pure coach standpoint, this is weird and it sucks to see a guy like Peterson who's who's made Washington a really good football team um, and elevated the Pac-12 North, you know, to someone other than Oregon. It, it's it's weird to see. Uh, back to my, I really want to see Link Kiffin back. So if you're Missouri, maybe shoot a little call down to Boca, call up old Lane, the Lane train. Yeah. Say, hey, Lane, do you want to come up to Columbia, Missouri? It's, you know, it's not as warm up here, but we'll get you a jacket. <laughs> Let you sling the rock around. Um, if you're Arkansas, maybe call up call up Lane. You know, you've already had a, a little bit of a weird coaching tree in the last few years with Bobby Petrino. Um, 
he's more of a sane human being than Bobby. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I like to see the lane train back in action. Uh, quickly, because we're almost we're out of time. College football rankings predictions this week. Uh, I'm assuming Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, and Georgia are all going to stay one, two, three, and four. Utah's going to move up. Oklahoma's going to move up. Baylor's going to move up. Wisconsin's going to move up. Uh, I, I think Utah, Oklahoma, and Baylor all move ahead of Bama. I don't know about Wisconsin. But the Bama loss leaves Utah, Oklahoma, and Baylor still able to get into the college football playoff, considering Georgia loses. Now, if Georgia beats LSU by one point, two points, even seven points, I think that uh, that the top four stays the same. It just shifts around. I think LSU's in no matter what. Um, but it's really interesting that we were sitting here two weeks ago saying, Baylor, how could you screw up your one chance to get in the college football playoff? Yet Alabama screwed up their chance. Again, they doubled down. If Utah loses to Oregon, Baylor-Oklahoma Big 12 championship becomes a national quarterfinal, That's which is ridiculous. It's That's awesome. exactly what I was thinking. I was looking at it today. I'm like, wow. So Utah – so quick, let's break this thing down for a quick second. So Utah and uh, Oklahoma win, who goes? Uh, Utah, Utah will go. I, I think if Utah wins, Utah beats Oregon, Utah will go. Okay. I think they will get absolutely – now we're saying that Georgia's losing in this scenario. Yeah. Um, so let's just go ahead and paint the Georgia with yell, which may or may not be fair because uh, Georgia has a legitimate shot to beat LSU this weekend. Um, I think Utah would go. Now Georgia, Utah will get destroyed by any one of Ohio State, LSU, or Clemson. It won't be a contest. They'll blow them out of the water. Um, I, maybe I'd like to see that just so it'll shut people the hell up because I'm tired of hearing about Utah, and I'm tired of hearing about the Pac-12, frankly. Um and it's just, they're not as good as people like think they are. They don't stand a chance against the top three right now. I don't know how much Baylor does either, so you think Oklahoma, but Oklahoma does. That's what I was thinking. That's what I wanted to see. I've been saying this for the longest, so I'm kind of glad Alabama kind of knocked themselves out of there. I want to see Oklahoma. I want to see Jalen Hurts. Quick thing about Jalen Hurts. Isn't it crazy to think that he has never not played in the college football playoff? Yeah, that's his true. Whole, I just realized that, yeah. His whole entire time he's been. So wouldn't it be crazy for Alabama to be out and Jalen Hurts still to find himself? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say the same for every Clemson player right now. But, yep. yeah, it, it's that is pretty pretty interesting. Um, Alabama won't be playing it this year, but I guess it could follow Jalen. All right, that'll do it for the day because we're running long. Uh, we got championship games coming this weekend, conference championship games. Um a potential guest coming on for Thursday. Pretty sure that that's going to happen. So that'll be good. Uh, we'll probably talk a good bit about um, Jake Bentley, who announced he was, which we didn't talk about earlier, who announced uh, he was leaving today. Uh, he's transferring from the University of South Carolina. Be interesting to see where he he goes. I heard he's. I've I've heard he has three schools. Um. So we'll see if we'll wait on that announcement. Uh, my colleague Zach is doing a story on him this week so hopefully we'll have Zach on to talk with us about that on Friday's episode um, we'd like to say a special thank you to Ben Sound for our music we'd like to remind you to go follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at the lead underscore block go follow Matthew uh, as well at Matt the chosen one with the number one and uh, myself at Tyler Walter CNR on Twitter um, make sure you sub- you are subscribed to the podcast follow on Spotify uh, rate, subscribe, review, tell your friends, share on social media, comment, like, retweet, uh, reshare, whatever the lingo 
what, whatever it is that you need to do, do. Um, and help us out. We'll appreciate that very much. Uh, DM, comment, any questions or topics you want discussed in the show. We'll make sure to do that. Uh, we will, see, I guess that's it for this, for Tuesday. A day late this week because of the holiday break. Yep. Um, but we'll be back on Friday. And I guess we'll see you then. Any, any last words from me? No, that's it. All right, we'll see you Friday. This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org.